Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to In The Game. I'm Luke Shakota. Thank you so much for joining us. Such an honor and privilege to have you be listening to today's episode. We've got a great show for you today. We will be discussing some Chicago Bulls. And to help us with that is our guest today. He covers the Chicago Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago, as well as a podcast podcast producer for NBC Sports Chicago. And he can be followed on Twitter at TheTonyGill. He is the Tony Gill. Tony, how are you? Good, Luke. Thanks a lot for having me on. Appreciate it, man. Just kind of wallowing in all this boldness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so am I. And, I mean, let's just dive right into it. The Bulls suffered another loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 124-122. And that is now, they are, what, one for nine in their last ten games, I believe, after going on an eight-game losing streak. I mean... I think right off the bat, I I just want to take like a 30-foot view of what is going on here. What do you think has been the most disappointing aspect of this bull season that maybe not a whole lot of people are talking about but should? Um, That is an interesting question because just the last, you know, 10 years or so of Bulls basketball has been so pessimistic that it's been all the bad things that are discussed about the Bulls have been picked apart. Um, just it's almost like a reaction, you know, from Bulls fans is just what else is wrong, you know, with the team. But if, if I had to pick one that nobody is really talking about, I would say probably the lack of production from a seemingly healthy Thomas Adaranti, who they brought in to kind of stabilize the point guard position and nobody's really talking about how bad he's been this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I, it's weird. Like we talked about it on the Bulls Talk podcast, um, that it's the weirdest thing that you know I've seen. And I think it's because it just falls in line as just another bad thing that's gone on with the Bulls that it's not really discussed a lot out in the open. But if you look at those numbers, Thomas has been not great um <laughs> at least in time when you look at you know the the average play of starting point guards in the nba he certainly underperformed the average play um and nobody's talking about it everybody's talking about you know what's best for kobe and, and they should because tom sadaransky probably isn't in the long-term plan uh of the bulls going forward but still i mean they went after him purposefully um made the moves to transactions get him to stabilize the point guard position, all the stuff that we said about what he was going to do with Zach Levine. Oh, he can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. He's got size, so he's a multiple uh, defender. And, you know, all those things that were put on him before the season started, and he just has been meh the whole year. So if I had to pick one, that will probably be it. Yeah, well, I think that if you look on the flip side here, the best thing that could possibly come out of this bull season, if you're trying to find some diamonds in the rough here, I think it has to be Kobe White. I mean, I've just been so impressed with how he just has this innate ability to score. But I'm wondering, is do you think that he is like a future facilitator for the Bulls, or is he just going to be the guy that comes off of the bench and can score at will against the other team's uh, bench players? I mean, do you see him having a much bigger role in the future? And if he does, does that spell good for the Bulls being, a, hopefully, again, a playoff team and a playoff team that can contend for a title? 
I don't know. <laughs> and, That's uh, an answer, counselor. I don't know. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> I'm supposed to be answer, but I mean, I, I'm not afraid to say, you know, I don't know. And I think this falls in line with that. And I, and I think that's why in these last stretches of these games that, you know, in the last part of the season, that I'm pushing to see Kobe start uh, some games. I'm with you. And because I, in the beginning of the season, I wasn't for it because. Again, the goal from their own mouths was the playoff. And you have to win games. You, you can't have a rookie trying to figure it out at the point guard position when you're trying to win games. If that's the goal. And from all accounts, from what everybody said on that media day, contending for a playoff spot was the goal. And then ultimately now, it, obviously that's not going to happen. Uh, so I'm all in on the development. You have to see what you have in, in Kobe White. We've seen these these excellent flashes from Kobe about how you can just take over a game, um, and that and certainly you can you can use that uh, you know as a starter. Obviously, he hasn't shown a lot of playmaking ability, um, and to me really just hasn't been given enough rope to flesh out that part of his game this season. Uh, by Jim Boylan because he likes him, you know, coming off the bench with the second unit and all those things. But right. I mean, we got to find out uh, at least before the draft because this upcoming draft, it's it's not a whole lot of talent top to bottom. Um, uh, there is specifically guard heavy, so you may have opportunity to take best player available. It might be a point guard, best player available. But you don't know what you had in Kobe because you sat him on the bench and relegated him to just be the scorer off the bench. And I think you're doing it yourself a massive disservice if you don't know if he can be the starter for this team long term. I mean, he's a lottery pick. He's the seventh overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And for you to not give yourself the evidence to show, like, well, you know, if you want to start him uh, long term, then you have to change plans. Well, he's not the best playmaker, but we've seen scoring point guards thrive in today's NBA. So there's certainly a precedent of, uh, of a non-playmaker at the point guard position, a, a score point guard position that can work, but you have to know. You have to find out. You have to put him in that starting role and see if he can handle it. So um, hopefully that we will, as the season ends, we will get a bigger picture of what Kobe can and can't do. Uh and that way we, we will know if he can be the, the long-term starter for this team. I'm always apprehensive, and I don't know if you feel this way as well, and you can tell me if I'm absolutely crazy for thinking this, but I'm always apprehensive when I hear teams say that we really want to develop the players that we have. We want to develop them into being a winner. But yet, there's seemingly some double talk that goes on specifically with the Bulls in this case, where they say our goal is to make the playoffs. And a lot of times you can't really do both. If you're trying to develop young players, that doesn't necessarily translate to making the playoffs. We see this happening with the Blackhawks right now to some extent. I think the White Sox might run into this problem for the upcoming season. Even though these teams may have talent, I don't see how you can mesh those two things together. Do you... Do you think that that is a contradiction when teams like the Bulls say that, or is that just something that I'm going way out of the loop there? No, no, that's a a perfectly reasonable concern. Uh, And that was my concern when it was said that 
you know, when the narratives started to switch as they were losing games in the easier part of their schedule, in, in the easier part of their schedule uh, earlier in the season, you, you started to hear Jim Boyle and well, we're still developing, but that wasn't the case before the season. The goal was playoffs, and the goal was winning more games. And now the narrative has switched to, you know, development and winning. And then it starts to slowly creep to developing. Um, and it, 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 I'm not going to say it can't be done because it can't. Um, you just have to be really smart about it, and you you have to have the the proper coaching and player development uh, people in place to actually bring the young the youthfulness along as they're trying to win games. Um, It is difficult. It is really difficult. And I had no trust or faith in the Bulls that they could pull both at the same time off. Um, Unless they had like some superior talent that kind of overshadows youth, which they don't have. Right. It was going to be tricky. And I didn't believe him when they said it. Yeah. (laughs) I I didn't either. But, and that just speaks to this whole, Every time I think about what the Bulls say and what they're trying to do, I just get a headache because it just goes like, let me read you this quote from Zach Levine. This was a, this was something that he said as a regards to, does he think that teams feel sorry for him and his team because the Bulls have suffered so many injuries this year, essentially. And this came after the loss to the Hornets. He says, hell no, they're waiting to play us. It seems like, so we got to take that as a challenge. Because when guys come in here, they're trying to get that win. We got to take it personally. We're fighting. Everybody knows we're undermanned right now, but nobody cares. It's a dog-eat-dog world out here. And this comes after so many times John Paxson and Gar Foreman have said, oh, we have so many injuries this year. We suffered so many injuries. I mean, you remember when Derrick Rose busted his knee back in 2012? I I guess I turned Paxson into Ryan Pace there. But it's just... uh, (laughs) I, I just can't the double speak, the double talk that's going on between the players, the coaches, and management, it just drives me up the wall. Yeah, and it should. It, it, it definitely should. Like they they get no just inerrant respect from Bulls fans just off jump like that. No. Like yeah, all that stuff has to be earned. Um and they haven't earned it. So in in, in terms of what's that uh, said, um, he's right. He's right. People come in and play Chicago, as in this is a get right game for us. We either we're coming into this game on a losing streak, even for the bad the ball, teams, it is supposed, right. That's supposed to set you straight. And <laughs> if you're on. a bad team, no. When you play the Bulls, this is this is all right. Now let's get our stuff together because. This should be an easy win for us. Like that's how the Bulls are viewed and have been viewed these last few seasons. Um, and they should feel disrespect that they're that team now. Like they're at the lowest tier of basketball teams in the NBA. Um, and for an organization that prides itself on those six championships in Jordan and always brings it up and their opens and all of their in-house things, the Jordan statue, like this organization has fallen far from those prideful 90s years uh, i mean this they're they're mixed midwest yeah <laughs> that's a great they, way of putting they're, it they're exactly they're in the same place as the knicks they're viewed exactly the same as the knicks as a, a, a joke 
basically around the league. Nobody respects them. Nobody gives them uh, gives them respect. Um, no free agent, you know, wants to come here, and that that needs to change. Um, and you see Zach's frustration, you know, after you know each one of these losses. He's certainly a professional. Um, he, he plays hard every night. He puts he uh, puts the team on his back, but he can uh, at times. But I mean, it, it's nothing frustration, and, and I'm sure Zach is thinking, "Am I going to give the prime years of my body and my career to this?" And I'm pretty sure that's going over in in, in his head. If something doesn't change soon. I would. Uh, I'm not a reporter. I'm not reporting this. I'm just assuming this. Um, I, I'm assuming if, if nothing changes from the organization standpoint, Zach doesn't probably won't want to be around anymore. So then, what happens? I mean, at this point in the season, I mean, I can talk about. I could talk all day about how the Bulls, the Bulls defense is just so god awful that they seemingly can't guard a simple ball screen and how they're scoring at will but they don't have anybody that can take over a game I could talk about that all day because I love basketball and yet I still like watching Bulls games because I've grown up watching them I can talk about that all day but obviously we have to take a much bigger picture at this point in the season where it's so late and the Bulls are out of it and with reports coming out that the Bulls are kind of shopping for new management but sort of not we got to take a 30 foot view of this what is that change that you hope to see and or maybe expect to see if any i mean i think that's two different things right what i hope and what i expect uh what i hope is what every fan hopes you know um but what i what i expect is i think they are looking at candidates that fit them. Uh, and what I mean by that is, again, the, it, it's weird that a regime that hasn't done anything uh, significant in terms of significant winning um, outside of a hopeful stretch with uh, that healthy Rose team, um, that they get to stay this long. And when new management comes in, management in air quotes, that they're still there, a part of the decision making that's 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 weird. That doesn't happen often when there's a quote unquote regime change. Or, uh, but I don't think they view it that way. I think they 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 like who they like in terms of Gar and John. They like having them around, um, and they just want to add another person to their think tank to be the front facing uh, in terms of asking answering questions from media and fans. Uh, that. John, I don't think, has any interest in doing that part anymore. Um, but I hope, I, I really sincerely hope that, that whoever they bring in is savvy enough and smart enough uh, to change things. And it's a lot. It's going to be a lot for whoever they bring in because they got to fight against the, narrative, the many narratives about this organization. And the, the, the people that started those narratives are still around. Like, yeah, I mean, he's whoever that person is is going to be up against a lot. I hope they're savvy enough. I hope they're smart enough to, to change that narrative about this team and this organization and bring it back to, you know, it, it's prominence on, you know, what it once was. Yeah. And last couple I have for you, Tony, uh, let, let me ask you this. 
I always think of John Paxson in kind of the same regards as I do with Jerry Angelo, former Bears general manager, in that I now get the sense in terms of the subject matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, put that on him, but thank Damn you for having me on all right, thank you, Tony. That is Tony Gill. He covers the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago, as well as a podcast producer for Bulls Talk on NBC Sports Chicago. Oh, God. I'm sorry for all the negativity, folks, but got to be honest, and we got to say the Bulls are they're kind of bad, and they're going to be bad for quite a while here. <laughs> Getting guys like Ben Gordon and Luol Deng and Kirk Heinrich, these guys that were pretty good players, but they weren't the best of the best, obviously. And then they get lucky with Derrick Rose. And now it seems that Paxson has kind of fallen off the wagon here. Do you think that there was a time where he was really, really good at his job and now he may just not be that anymore? Um, well, I think the, the evidence is in, you know, what they've created post, you know, that time. Uh, I mean, post you know, Rose and, and finding Lou and Ben, um, they, they've had some some decent develop, like Jimmy Butler, you know, that was a good pick. Taj Gibson, that was, that was a good pick. But in terms of flipping, you know, good pieces into a great piece or making that next step in terms of risk-taking on a, a, a franchise-changing guy, that to me has been his, his, his bugaboo. That's his issue, and that issue has magnified itself um, over the course of time. Um, you only can hide with a mediocre team for so long until fans and national media start saying, what's wrong with the Bulls? And now people are literally saying on, the na- on their national platforms, Charles Barkley, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the national scene is now looking, especially with the All-Star game coming here, Everybody realized what's wrong with the Bulls, <laughs> and it, it, they, they can't hide anything. Where do we start? Um, in, yeah, in in the local media, they, they they can't hide the fact that yeah, they've done some decent things over the course of a decade and a half, or almost two decades, but they never took that risk to okay, let's package a couple of these up, uh, Kurt Heinrich and Ben Gordon again. I don't know, uh, said superstar or oh, there's a disgruntled superstar here. Let's 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 grab him there, like. That's been his biggest issue, or in free agency. They haven't been able to nap that guy. So now, because we know in basketball you need those stars to win a championship, and he never got one. He got – we underestimate how close they were, because they were close to getting LeBron. There was just a couple of little semantic things that I think they, the Bulls could have done better about in order to make that – you know, Wade LeBron Bosch thing work. Yeah. Um, they they could have but that also takes creativity and and, and risk taking on organizations then to get that stuff done and that's something that the Bulls haven't been good at. Uh, Pat Riley is is a person that has seen it all in terms of building a team. He's had a terrible team. He's come back from a monkey signed bad contracts. Uh, he's done all the things that would get a person fired, but he was given a rope to change it. He got creative, and now they're one of the help, more healthier organizations in the league on their way to, to the playoffs. Yeah. Got Jimmy Butler, 
player development and Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, I mean, all those guys, and they're going to have room to go get Giannis when he's the agent. Like, all those, that's a healthy organization. That's a thriving organization. And the Bulls just keep getting passed up all the time by, by random teams. Milwaukee, for example, pass, pass the Bulls by. Like, teams continue to pass the Bulls up while they stay stagnated. Yeah. And the last one I have for you, Tony, is Jim Boylan came out recently and he was he he told the media that he was told essentially that the win his win and loss record doesn't really mean anything for this year. I, I was like, what? what are you bad spit crazy? Your win and loss record doesn't really mean anything. I mean, what was your reaction to that? Because I just I, I, I couldn't believe that when I heard that on the radio. Um, I could believe it. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. This, to be this, fair, this, this organization kind of has, you know, has come to. So I, I've, I've been jaded and, and kind of you know affected by it. It's like, all right, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Another another excuse on why they're losing. So I've just become like just kind of used to it, you know, at this point. But uh, by technicality, they're right. They did this current regime did give him the extension did offer their support for Jim Boylan. Now, if the rumors are true and the reporting is, is accurate uh, in terms of them looking for and looking to empower a GM, I'm pretty sure that GM doesn't want to be stuck with Jim Boylan. And I'm pretty sure if he is actually empowered, is the words that have, have been used, it will be his choice on if, if Jim Boylan stays or goes. So they essentially say, hey, it's not our, we want Jim to stay. They can kind of wash their hands of it and say, we like Jim Boylan, but this new GM, that's his choice, and that we don't have any control over it. So by technicality, they are they're kind of right um, on, on that front because it should be up to the person that they bring in if they're going to bring another person in to that uh, into the Bulls franchise to make those decisions, it'll be really up to them. And I'm pretty sure, like, I'd be surprised, really surprised, if that GM wants to stick with Jim Boylan, or at least put him on notice that, hey, this isn't a for sure thing. You may not, uh, you know, end your career as Bulls coach in the next couple, you know, couple of years. So, uh, I'm interested to see how that shakes up because, I mean, it's it's gonna whatever happens at the end of the season, and whoever they bring in, I, I truly believe it will be their choice. Tony, thank you so much for joining me on In the Game. I really do appreciate. It. Hope to talk to you again soon, and hopefully, better days ahead for us to talk <laughs> in terms of the subject matter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but thank Damn you for having me on. All right, thank you, Tony. That is Tony Gill. He covers the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago, as well as a podcast producer for Bulls Talk on NBC Sports Chicago. Ugh, God, I'm sorry for all the negativity, folks, but got to be honest, and we got to say the Bulls are they're kind of bad, and they're going to be bad for 
quite a while here. But nevertheless, that is it for today's episode of In The Game. Want to thank all of you for listening. Want to thank Tony Gill for jumping on today. We'll be back tomorrow. Julie DeCaro of 670 The Score will join us. That is definitely going to be a fun episode to listen to, so stay tuned for that. You can follow the show on Twitter at In The Game Show. You can follow me on Twitter personally at Luke underscore sports. Thank you so much again for listening, and until next time, be sure to keep your heads in the game.